Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 14 of It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's episode actually took me on a field trip over to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I had the opportunity to chat with today's guests, Alyssa Jenkins and Kay Caldwell, face-to-face. I swear, from the moment we met, it felt like reconnecting with old friends. We just clicked and had a really fun time. Plus, they made me feel like total royalty by ordering lunch from my favorite BR lunch spot, New York Bagel. So we don't have one in my hometown, so it was such a treat. And if you're curious, I always get the Brooklyn Bomber on Asiago with no tomato. And it just makes me so happy. Oh, and you can't forget about the bagel chips and garden cream cheese. I think I might have seriously eaten a gallon of that cream cheese while I was pregnant with Camilla. And while I could probably keep talking about cream cheese for 30 minutes, this is It's About Time, not It's About Cream Cheese. So let me tell you all about Alyssa and Katie, hosts of the Hustle Humbly podcast. Alyssa Jenkins and Katie Caldwell are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. And I have to point out because this is key. They work for two different companies and are actually each other's competition. So naturally, their podcast, Hustle Humbly, fosters community over competition while navigating the oftentimes cutthroat real estate industry. With more than 800 sold between them and seven and 14 years each in the business, they've seen that cutthroat competition firsthand. Their podcast deep dives into conversations and interviews about mindset and best practices with stories of encouragement mixed in. I actually had the pleasure of being interviewed by both Katie and Alyssa for their episode all about time management that aired on January 6th. You might have caught a bonus episode right around that time that shared a sneak peek of that episode. And if you haven't tuned in yet, I highly recommend you go check it out. The goal of the Hustle Humbly podcast is to reach out and encourage realtors and business people alike to stop comparing themselves and start embracing their own strengths. Alyssa and Katie are both wives and moms, and their kiddos are in different stages of childhood. And as realtors, they both have flexible schedules, which can be a double-edged sword. A flexible schedule sounds like a dream situation for most of us, right? But we definitely get into the pitfalls of having so much control of how you spend your time. In this episode, you'll hear us chat about how they navigate demanding yet flexible schedules and how hard it can be when people don't understand how you actually spend your time. We talk about the difference between real-life realtors and what you see on HGTV, (laughs) plus building healthy boundaries in an industry that can easily become 24-7 around the clock. We also dig into what fringe hours are and how you can start using them to get things done. Basically, this episode is jam-packed with lots of good stuff. And even if you're not a realtor, there's still a lot of great insight and inspiration that you can take away from Alyssa and Katie. Honestly, sometimes hearing a technique or something that works for someone in a completely different industry or line of work can be just what you need to discover a new way of doing things in your own life. If you struggle with creating and sticking to healthy boundaries in your life, whether that's with work or maybe volunteering or family, you're going to get a lot out of this one. And speaking of boundaries, as a business owner, the last thing I want to do is work overtime, slogging around in spreadsheets and admin work that can take forever when I'd rather be spending time with family. That's why Dub Sato is one of my secret weapons for spending time on what matters. Dub Sato is a business management solution designed to cut out the busy work. With Dub Sato, you can build relationships, schedule appointments, and create workflows to streamline your projects from start to finish. If you're a small business owner or you're growing a side gig and want to make life a little easier, 
head to abouttimepodcast.com forward slash Dubsado today and save 20% on your first month or year of Dubsado. And because I know that you're probably on the go and not in the best place for taking notes right now, I've captured all of the details about today's episode with Katie and Alyssa in the show notes over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 14. Also, because there are so many awesome time management tools, books, and resources that have been mentioned since we kicked this off in episode one, I've compiled a totally free ultimate time management toolkit. Consider this your one-stop shop for living a little easier. I've compiled the exact apps, tools, and products that I use every day at home, at work, and on the go. This is everything you need to make 2020 your year. Head over to the show notes to get your hands on this free resource guide. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes or surprise bonus episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode like this one from Lindsay Lou. Lindsay Lou writes, A Voice of Reason. (laughs) We can all attest to feeling like we're balancing 100 porcelain plates on skinny sticks. This society, in fact, pushes us to be more and do more. But who is that hurting in the end? Anna is a wealth of knowledge and truly a voice of reason here to encourage us to take our lives back in our hands. Her perspective is so enlightening and a breath of fresh air. We need this more now than ever. Lindsay Lou, that is such a stunning description of what trying to juggle our busy lives can feel like sometimes. 100 porcelain plates balanced on skinny sticks. Yikes. But we all know the feeling, right? Thank you so much for tuning in, for writing such a kind review, and I truly hope the podcast is helping you live just a little easier and giving you that breath of fresh air that you're looking for. And with that, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Well, hello, Alyssa and Katie. Welcome to It's About Time. I am super excited to talk with both of you ladies today. And I am actually at Katie's home right now, right, <laughs> hanging out with them in their studio. And it's a whole lot of fun to get out of my closet, which is where I record most of my episodes yes. and into the world to hang out with some people in real life and talk about time management and how we do life. So I know, you get a window today. <laughs> it's, it's really nice. It's quite lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I want to kick off um, by learning a little bit about both of you, you know, in the intro, I shared a little bit about your background, told the listeners about your podcast, Hustle Humbly, but I would love to hear it in your own words. So uh, Alyssa, would you kick us off and just tell us a little bit about you and tell your story? Sure. So I was in college and grad school getting my master's in business, um, fully, fully, just convinced that I was going to find a corporate job and, you know, run the world and the world is my oyster because I have a master's degree and I'm going to make all the money and I'm going to work my way to the top of whatever company I work for. Um, That did not happen. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had gotten my real estate license when I was in grad school Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of dabbling in it, but I ended up selling a couple of houses to people that were getting their first jobs, like people that I was in school with. And, um, 
it went well. And then when I started interviewing for corporate jobs, I was highly disappointed in the work hours, in the pay, in the benefits, all those things. And real estate had gone pretty well my first year. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give this another year mm-hmm. and see how it goes. Because they say every year is supposed to get better. And it did second year, third year. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is. And then it just became clear that this is what I was made for. Like, it's just my thing. And sometimes looking back, it scares me how close I came to missing it. Wow. Oh, that's true. Like, if somebody would have offered me the right job, you taken I would have taken it. Yeah. And that terrifies me to think about because, like, eight years later, yeah, where I am now, I just can't imagine being anywhere else. And so I love what I do. Every year is, you know, going so well. And um, I'm just really thankful for where I'm at in my career, how I got here, and thankful I did not miss the boat. Right. <laughs> I love it. So how many years have you been in the industry? I started in 2012. 2012. So we're okay. coming on year eight. That's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Eight years. And remind me, where did you go to school? I went to Louisiana State University. Go Tigers. <laughs> go Tigers. <laughs> and then I got my master's degree at Southeastern, which is right outside of Baton Rouge in Hammond. Got it. So cool. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Katie, wow. your turn. Okay, my turn. Uh, a lot of that resonates with me in different ways because you, most everyone falls into real estate mm-hmm. because it's not something you study. So I went to LSU as well. I studied English. I had no intentions of being a teacher. I had no plan. Um, So I ended up in retail management and I was in that for several years um, and working very hard and realizing that, you know, I, I wasn't living up to my potential. Yeah. And another one of the managers where I worked got her real estate license. And I was like, tell me more about this. She was going to do it on the side. And you'll find a lot of realtors do that. They'll, you know, pick up their real estate license. It's not terribly hard to get a real estate license. And they'll, you know, dabble in on the side, sort of like Alyssa did when she was in college. Mm-hmm. And then um, when uh, she was telling me about it, I said, okay, so I can do this, go to school at night while I'm still working my full-time job. I got my real estate license and I was like, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump all in. And mm-hmm. that was 2005. So I have been selling real estate for 14 years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And does it get better and better every year? Oh my gosh. It gets better <laughs> and better in different ways. So it it is an evolving career and, you know, the numbers don't grow every year because I'm at a great place. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of nice and steady. And, but once you're on the train, you can't really get off. Mm -hmm. So once Mm -hmm. you hit year three, four, five, you, you're going to sell real estate. Like you're, you're just not going to fail. You're going to keep selling real estate. So um, it's wonderful. And it's, easier to find business the longer you're in the business. Right. Every year gets better because if you do a good job and you're doing it right, the repeats. Yeah. People move every three to five years. And so all of a sudden you're getting the business without having to hustle as much as you did in the beginning where you're just like scrounging for people to sell houses to. Right. Then every year you find that that burden gets off of you a little bit more and you're just doing client management because they're coming to you now and you need to make sure that you're delivering. Mm-hmm. So. Right. It sounds like momentum yes. mm-hmm. is a huge part of the beginning. And very much. I tell me if I'm right or wrong, but it sounds like those early years of working in real estate is all about getting traction and uh-huh. building that momentum so that you can keep moving forward. Right. And most people don't make it to year three. Really? 85%, I think, mm-hmm. of realtors don't make it to year three. The statistics are real. The fail rate is so high. Because you have to really put in the time. It's not an overnight success. It's going to take some tears and a lot of hard work. Right. Not everyone is suited for, you know, making their own schedule, searching for their own business, being their own. I mean, you're, you're your own business. So you're the marketing department and the accounting department, just like any entrepreneur. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird hybrid because the general public almost doesn't see you that way. They think that you're, you know, in a regular office. Um, but you're doing all, you're wearing all the hats. People want to jump into making money fast. Really? And it's just like that it takes time. You don't even know what you're really doing that first year. You need to be focused on education and building your confidence so that when somebody does come to you, you do such a good job that they repeat and refer to you. But if you're not ready, if you're just in that scarcity mindset of like, I need money, I need money, 
and someone comes to you before you're ready and you haven't disciplined yourself to do what you're supposed to do, you don't do that good of a job and there is no repeat or referral. So it's just, you have to be so careful those first years. It's Mm -hmm. a fine line. Wow. Um, So you guys touched on a lot of really interesting pieces about the real estate, especially the fact that, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions Mm -hmm. about how you spend your time and what your days are like. I completely believe that there is no such thing as a typical day Mm -hmm. and there's no such thing as a typical week, but I would love to hear your best shot at explaining what a typical week looks like for each of you. You know, when do you, when do you find time to get that education Mm -hmm. that you need? Because you can't stop learning once you get to a certain point. And when do you incorporate time for rest? Because Mm -hmm. you can't go nonstop and still expect to be creative and productive. So, uh, Katie, I want to start with you. (laughs) Tell me about a typical week. First of all, we could be the poster children for there's no such thing as a typical day (laughs) and there's no such thing as a typical week because there really isn't. Mm -hmm. Now, our business is cyclical and seasonal. So, what I have found over 14 years, you will have a slow week and it could still be within the busy season. You'll have fewer of those as you're in the busy season. And then you will have a slow season where you might have a busy week, but overall you're slower. And I think we're in Louisiana, obviously. It is different um, seasonally because we're not limited by winter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like realtors up north when there's snowstorms, like you can't work. Yeah. You they can't just, go out. Stopped. Wow. So yeah. it's a very different. And when you listen to national media or national speak about the real estate cycle and the real estate seasons, it is not as true for us mm-hmm. in that I have had my biggest months in a December and a January. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, people honestly would rather move when it's cool here than when it's burning hot. 100%. I've moved twice in the middle of August. Mm. Yeah, it's miserable. It's You'd think I would have learned the first time. No, it's really <laughs> miserable. So there are it's there's seasons and there's cycles. And mm. I guess I'm not really answering the question because there isn't a typical day. But I have things that I do every day. So, you know, I get my kids off to school in the morning. I, you know, exercise. I get dressed. And then my work day starts at 9. I don't schedule appointments before 9. That just works for me. Um, and then in the afternoon, you know, either myself or my husband is picking up my kids, you know, somewhere in the 3.30 to 4 o'clock time frame. And then I try to not schedule appointments in the afternoon. On the weekends, I work one weekend day. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing open houses, that might be a Sunday and I'll also put showings on that day. Or if I'm doing showing Saturday, maybe I'm not going to do an open house that week to try and give my family a full day where I'm not leaving the house because it just takes so much time to get to the appointment. It's not just a matter of me walking into my office and getting on the computer and doing office work on a Saturday. If I have a Saturday appointment, I'm leaving. So there's 30 minutes of drive time there. There's an hour appointment. There's 30 minutes of drive time back. It'll And it will break up your day. I mean, yeah. It's just like going to a kid birthday party in the middle of a Saturday. Like it throws <laughs> off everything. Yeah. Um, and it's very similar. And so I, I try to limit the work on the weekend mm-hmm. in that way. And then the weeks, I don't know. I know the weeks. I think, so one thing I've always kind of preached about is people are like, oh, you're self-employed. And I'm like, I can't, I can't buy that many houses myself, like I'm client employed. If I don't have clients, I'm not employed. Mm -hmm. So they kind of make my schedule, but I still have to have boundaries. Yes. So it's hard because you do need to be available and you need to be at their beck and call to an extent while still maintaining your boundaries. So I try to tell people like we're not emergency room doctors. Right. If you email me at 830 at night, no one's going to die if you get a response at 9 a.m. the next morning. But it makes me so sad when I get emails from my fellow competitors at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Oh, my What are you doing? But but that is a huge problem in our industry is that a lot of realtors are not treating it like a business. Mm -hmm. They're just go, 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 burnout, 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 which is why the fail rate is so high. They're so scared to lose the client. So there's not a lot of boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. And um, I do a lot of serving on our board of directors and I do Louisiana realtor stuff and things like that. So I'm very passionate about the realtor brand okay. and bringing professionalism back to the brand and not just being like 
you know, on the go and, you know, people don't have a lot of respect for your industry. Mm-hmm. They think that they, you're just a doormat, a door opener. You can just, they can walk all over you. You're just there to open the doors. And so I think by implementing some sort of structure brings it back to the fact that, oh, wait, this is their job. Mm-hmm. They are not on demand at midnight. Yeah, <laughs> they, right. I'm not going to answer your call at 7 a.m. when I'm trying to get my three-year-old out the door. Right. Um. So boundaries to me and setting some sort of structure and schedule only brings more professionalism to an industry that's greatly lacking. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're getting better with it as an industry, but we still have a long way to go. Um. And I'm similar to Katie in that, like, I try to work Saturday or Sunday. Okay. Um, I am the type of person that if I have 20 things to do, it's all going to get done in one day. If I have three things to do, it's going to take me all week. Yes. Because I'm just like, <laughs> I get in a funk and I'm like, oh, I'm so sluggish. I'll do it I'm later. Not, yeah, I'll do it later. You thrive on the activity. I thrive on the activity and the productivity and the efficiency. Like I love to just like see how many things I can knock out. But if it's not a challenge, I get sluggish. But I try to during the slower times embrace like cleaning out my database, yeah. catching up, decluttering my office, whatever it may be. But I used to try like follow up Friday and every Friday I'm going to follow up. And, but then like a buyer would be like, Hey, can we do our home inspection on Friday? Mm -hmm. That's like your whole day. Yeah. So it is hard to do it. But I think the important thing is when you have to move something, reschedule it. Yeah. Like you still need to follow up with people. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not on Friday. Follow up Monday doesn't sound as fun, but, (laughs) but you need to still do it. And I think that that's the big thing is when you finally get a client, you can't just drop all of your good habits and sacrifice all the things that you do that build your future business. Like you still need to keep those things in motion Mm -hmm. um, so that your business will continue Mm -hmm. after you close this client. Yeah. It reminds me of people who make um, health and fitness a goal. You know, they work really, really hard. They're very consistent about going to the gym. They're very consistent about counting calories or sticking to a diet. And then once they go down a few sizes or once they reach that goal, they just stop doing all the things that got them to where they are. And then they find themselves back in their old patterns and they've lost all their progress and they've lost what they work for. And so it's really great that you bring that up because that's a piece of advice that being consistent Mm -hmm. during the uptimes and the downtimes is what helps you win in the long run, which is so beneficial regardless of what industry you're in. Mm -hmm. So listening to you guys talk about a week and just how you spend your time, a few of the things that I heard were you're doing follow-ups, you're doing client communication, you're doing marketing, Mm -hmm. you're doing open houses, you're doing um, just admin work. Mm -hmm. Like what else? What else is on your plate? Home inspections, house showings, listing appointments, seller consultations, listing photos, listing photos, updating listings in the MLS or giving your office that information to do so. Updating sellers that have their home on the market, especially if it's a home that's been there a while, like you still have to communicate with them regularly. Getting showing feedback when the listings are being shown. Wow. Yeah. Just, I mean, we could do 45 minutes on yeah, just, <laughs> just what it involves. There's well, a, right. there's so much more than meets the eye. Yes. You know, as Scott and I, my, my husband and I, we bought our first home last March. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And congrats. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know all of the things that go into it. And I find that I'm not speaking for us, but I find that a lot of people can really undervalue the role that realtors play because they don't understand everything that's going on behind the scenes. We kind of blame that a lot on HGTV because they make our job look really fun. Wow. Like anytime people are like, oh, you're realtors. It's so much fun. Is all you do look at pretty houses all day. Right. That's what HGTV. Yes, that's all I do. I just hang out with Chip and Joanna all day. <laughs> For instance, if I'm having, especially in busy season, if I have a week where the appointments are back to back, and I could see three or four different clients in a day, um, if I can't fit in an eight-hour workday of administration, it's going to get really dicey. Mm. My desk is going to be covered in papers. Um, I'm going to have a lot of work that I probably have to do after hours when I wouldn't normally do it. But if I can't get some administration time. It, it it gets very hard to keep mm-hmm. up. So like it's it is tough to 
deal with all the different roles you have to play and all the different tasks you have to complete. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to be very self-disciplined and hold yourself accountable. And I think that the reason the fail rate is so high is that a lot of, it's easy to become a realtor. It's very easy. You could do an online course in three weeks. Voila. But okay, now I'm a realtor. Now what? Mm -hmm. How do I make money? Now Mm -hmm. I have all these dues in place and, you know, carrying insurance on yourself and things like that. And you're spending money, you're not making money, and you're not self-disciplined enough to go out and ask for referrals or to put yourself out there in the community. Like confidence. It's confidence, confidence building So piece. much confidence. And it's so much about mindset. Where is your mindset during that time? Um, so it's just people think that it's fun and mm-hmm. glamorous. And I think that it's so easy to start that you could just start and then they figure out quickly that it's not what they thought it was and they exit the industry. Right. I have something. <laughs> It <laughs> will play so well into your whole, you know, that realtors do wear busyness as a badge of honor. And I know that's your jam. Um, I, that really resonates with me because they're like, I'm so busy. Oh, you know, they want to complain. But when you're an entrepreneur, you don't complain about being busy because you're like, that's how you make the money. Right. So you're like, well, oh. you shouldn't complain right. about right. Exactly. But they they love that. And I, I, I just... So we say, we're like, you know, oh, I'm busy. It's go, go, go. Got to get it done. And I was going somewhere else with that, but it, it flew right out of my But brain. I feel like you and I want to cut that out yeah. of yeah. our industry. Like, For yeah. sure. It's not cool or funny to send emails at midnight. No, no it's that. not. I don't admire yeah. you if you're I doing that. I don't admire that. you either. I feel bad that you have unhealthy boundaries. And I'd rather take it in an email. I've gotten text messages at 11 p.m. asking for feedback that I did a showing three days before on their listing. Yeah. Like it's, this is not an appropriate time to work and it's not. So other, other agents sadly are dragging you into the wrong timing because they are doing it to themselves Mm -hmm. and there's, it's a cooperative um, business. So you got to work with someone else. We want to be the realtors that other realtors want to work with because we're not going to text you. We're going to keep things via email. Mm-hmm. So like if we need a addendum to the purchase agreement, I'm not going to text you. Like, oh that's my not gosh. professional. <laughs> and when you text someone, it makes your phone go off immediately, right. which means stop everything you're doing, read the text, remember it later when you get to a computer. Like to me, email is the professional form of communication. Mm-hmm. So I agree with if you. If you do a deal with me or Katie, you're not going to get late night emails. You're not going to get unnecessary phone calls that could have been an email. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get text messages that could have been an email. Like it's going to be smooth and, you know, we're going to respect your work life boundaries, but there's over 3,000 realtors in Baton Rouge alone. Wow. Over yeah. 3,000. Um, I would say 2,950 of them do not have work-life boundaries. And so more so than managing my clients from contacting me in the late evening or, you know, 6 a.m., it's the other realtors. With my clients, I'm a lot softer and sweeter. And I'm like, hey, would you mind sending me that in an email so I don't forget later? With a realtor, I'm like, I'm not going to respond until you figure out that you need to email me. Mm -hmm. It's in my email signature. I was about to say that. It's in my voicemail. My voicemail says, or shoot me an email, not, or text me, or, Okay, so let's let's recap this real quick. (laughs) Okay. Because this is gold, and this is something that is is very applicable across multiple industries. So many. Whether you own your own hairdressing salon, Mm -hmm. beauty salon, or you are an architect, or you're a coach like me. So give me those pieces of advice you have to broadcast what those boundaries are. So you mentioned mm-hmm. email signature. Like, yep. what does that look like for you? So my email signature says, if you need to contact me regarding a pending file, email is the best way to reach me. Okay. And it calls out lenders, lenders title companies, like all the people that we work with. I'm like, if you are a lender or a title company, email is the best way to reach me. Clients, you have to be more delicate because I'm here to serve you. And if you're a texter, I want to be a texter for you. However, I know myself Mm -hmm. and I know that I will read a text while I'm doing showings. Yeah. And when I finish three hours later, Mm. it is out of my brain Mm -hmm. and there's 20 new text messages and it's buried. Mm -hmm. Text messages for me and in general are just not made for that. Right. If you need something from me, 
you must email me. Right. If it requires a response, it should be an email. Right. And so I usually respond to my clients, especially when they start texting me addresses. Like, what about this house? What about this? I'm like, I'm not going to remember any of this. Yeah. So I try to say, hey, do you mind shooting me these in an email so I can make notes and email you back? And so they're like, sure. Like, they're excited. Great. Because they're like, she's going to make notes and yeah. send it back. See, that's perfect. <laughs> and then they, but once you ask once, they never text you again. Right. You train they them. They just mm-hmm. learn that, hey, if I email her, she responds and like responds better with notes. So it's just letting them know that I'm fine if you want to text me like a yes or no question as mm-hmm. my client. Um, but if you want me to do something or if you need something from me that requires me to get to my computer email me. So when I sit down at my computer, it's there Mm -hmm. and I'm not having to scroll through text messages to see what I forgot. Right. Two other tips that I've heard other professionals use is they will permit or they will invite their clients to text them as long as it's a yes or no answer. Hmm. Because uh, I've heard that as a very common practice in the wedding industry, because a lot of times you just need a quick question from your planner answered mm-hmm. and it's a quick yes or no. Yeah. And then you can move on with your day or you can consult with another vendor that you're scheduling with and they respond yes or no, you move on sure. and they hmm. keep going. Um, and then another tip that I've heard coaches use is if some, if a client texts them, they won't even respond to the text message. They'll instead head to email at yes, their designated sometimes. Yes, their designated email time yeah. and say, hey, got your text message, just wanted to keep it in email so I don't lose track right. of your important question. And mm-hmm. that works really well. Last piece, I love that. <laughs> because I like that. someone recently shared this with me, is that if you are, say, a coach or a service provider and you're managing several clients at once, you can assign each one of your clients, their own set of office hours. Oh. You can say, okay, Jenna, your office hours while we are in this coaching agreement are every Tuesday from 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. Hmm. If you call me or Slack me or text me during that period, I am there for you and I can respond. Mm-hmm. Outside of that time frame, I may take much longer to get back to you because that time is allotted for someone else or for something else in my business. Mm -hmm. So it's just looking for ways that work with your industry, with your clients, how you do business to create those boundaries because they definitely don't look the same for everyone. The latter I don't think would work as well for real estate only because especially if it's like a buyer or something and a new house comes on the market. Yeah. It's It's like very time sensitive. It's very time sensitive. So there are several times where it's like if you're house hunting, you may need to go see it. You got to roll right away. Mine is I use schedule text. So you can, it's Pandora's box. If a client texts you at 8 p.m. and and your personal rule is not to text business after whatever hour, 6 p.m., I schedule the text for in the morning. That way I don't miss it. So I'm still responding the way they, they talk to me, but I didn't respond at that moment. And then it comes through at 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning, whatever I schedule it for, whatever I feel like are appropriate, appropriate. business hours. Um, and I'm on an Android, so that's always been a feature. I think this is something that iPhone users can do now. Uh, but schedule text like is my favorite. So this is a really awesome segue into the tools and apps processes, routines that you guys do mm-hmm. to do what you do. I I was going to ask, what app is that yeah, that I awesome. can schedule text? Because that's genius. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to have to look and see if that's I guess a part. Android has some cool features to it. That, that, <laughs> I still love my iPhone. Listen, but. that singular feature is why all people should have that's Android. That's beautiful. Because you can schedule your text and it'll show up in line with your text so I can see what time it's going, what it says. And then if between now and eight in the morning, something changes, I can delete it. So I can just say, I'm taking this out. But it really is, um, it's a lifesaver if you want to set boundaries, but you don't want to, if you want to, because Alyssa is better at forcing people into email. Quite honestly, I will text you back and forth and I will long-winded text, but uh, the scheduled text is how I deal with it outside of business hours. That's awesome. And scheduled email too. So I try to set boundaries, but sometimes like if my, the baby's asleep, the husband's at the hunting camp. I'm caught up on my shows. Sometimes I enjoy just like sitting down at night and yeah. like clearing out my emails and getting ahead. Getting like some really stuff done. Yeah. But I don't want to send emails at 10 o'clock at night. So, or, so I'll schedule them to send the next morning at 9 a.m. or whatever the case may be. 
But sometimes a client will text me at night and the husband's at the hunting camp, the baby's asleep. I want to respond. Yes, right. But I know if I do, tomorrow night when my husband's home from the hunting camp, we're trying to watch our show. This is going to be the person that thinks that they can text me at nine o'clock at night and get a response. You give permission. And then they don't understand why you didn't respond that time. Oh, wow. In fact, on one of your episodes, you said setting expectations makes you easier to work with. So it would be confusing if you respond one night late at night and Mm -hmm. then the next night you don't. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Right. So just trying to be consistent with how you're responding, even if you're are available and it would be easy to. You can't compromise what you said was important. Amen. Right? You, can't, you can't compromise. <laughs> I need to jump in here. This is the other issue. Every realtor is allowed to do it different. So right. There are no That's rules true. of the industry. And the problem is you will get a buyer or a seller. Well, so-and-so agent said she would text me at 10 p.m. Yeah. and she's available 24-7. And the last agent I worked with didn't have office hours. Or yeah. So you're going to have to stand... Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Firm, if you if you create boundaries, it's not going to be easy going. Like there is going to be some pushback from the general public at times, right? Mm-hmm. Katie, it's the same thing with the coaching industry I because bet. you really can structure how you work, when you work, to fit your life in the best way possible. And I've gotten to know so many other coaches over the past few months, and I I really see that some have very tight boundaries and others don't. Mm -hmm, And sometimes, like you've said, you worry about the overall brand of realtors. I sometimes have worry about the overall brand of coaches because there are some who wear busy as a badge of honor, Mm -hmm. who live that frantic life, who run from place to place, and they're proud of that. Mm -hmm. And if that works for them in their season of life, that's awesome. Right. But that's that's not the way that I want to operate. That's not the example that I want to give. And it, it can be really hard to do things your way right? Mm-hmm. Um, when the entire tide seems to be going in the opposite yep. direction. And that's when mindset is so important because you just can't have that scarcity mindset. And there are times where I've, you know, lo- has seen a client go work with somebody else or something. But it lets me know they weren't my person. I'm not made for everybody. That's true. Um, And we interviewed Lee Brown, who is a national real estate speaker. And she was on our podcast a few episodes ago. But she said that when you set boundaries and are not available 24-7, 
people actually want you more. Boom. There's respect there. They're, they realize, wow, she, like a lot of people want her. I started having people ask me, do you have a waiting list? Yes. Oh my, <laughs> I sure oh do. my gosh. Yeah, but I think I have an opening next week. You know, <laughs> but it's just, it's just neat how it's true. Like when you respect yourself, mm-hmm. others respect you back. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. Yeah. And I was like, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, before we move on, any specific tools oh, or tech oh, that yeah. you guys use? We're so simple. We're very simple. Um, simple need- is good. There's honestly, if something is overcomplicated, you won't yeah. stick with it. The so. biggest thing for me, I need to have everything in one place. Mm-hmm. I need to write everything down. With a pen? Um, like In actually- my phone. Okay. So you need to capture everything. I need to capture everything and have it all in one place. Gotcha. So anytime someone messages me, on Facebook or Instagram or text me or emails me or Snapchats me yeah. or whatever. When there's so many things I have to immediately either like go put, I just have to go put it down on my list of mm-hmm. people. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, you're using Trello for that. I use Trello oh, for that. Trello. I love Trello. Trello. Yes. And I have a little, I have it set up. That's just so realtor friendly for just the flow of like pre-clients actual clients, um, pending clients. So it's just really helpful to have it all in one place and to just write it down. Sometimes I write, I write down names and like the next week I go through to look at it. I'm like, Oh yeah, I better follow up. I on better that. follow up on that. But sometimes people like, okay, so the year is 2019. I've had people say, we're going to move when our daughter graduates co- uh, high school in 2022. Mm-hmm. Guess who needs to remember that? Me, how am I going to remember that? So I have to write it down. I have to put it in my calendar. Mm-hmm. I use my calendar like crazy. Yeah. Like I have people in my calendar in 2022. Yeah. You check check in with so-and-so. Yeah, did their Go- daughter graduate high school? Right. <laughs> Google Calendar. That's, yeah. That's probably one of my biggest tech tools that I need. I can't live without my Google Calendar. And we use it as our in our family in mm-hmm. a specific way mm-hmm. because my kids don't have the bus. Someone's got to pick them up from aftercare and get them to school in the morning. Typically, my husband does the morning drop off. But in the afternoon, you know, we both have our own businesses. It's sort of all bets are off. And so everybody's day is different. Mm-hmm. Um, if I schedule an appointment after three, it is required to be a shared event between the two of us. Lo- I so love that. Knows. So he knows. Yeah. So yeah. Then he knows you're on it. You got to get the kids. And that's, those are the only shared, because he does not want to see what I am doing all day long. No, and he d- there's that no need. turns into clutter for yeah. him. If it's after yeah. 3 p.m., it, the Google calendar has got, it's a shared event with my husband. I love that. Okay, so, so far we have covered scheduled texts mm-hmm. that Katie uses. Alyssa is a huge Trello fan. Yes. Both Katie and Alyssa are big Google Calendar fans. Yes. Yep. Um, and we've talked about this mostly with regard to work. And Katie, I love that you brought up that you and your husband have a shared calendar. So Scott and I follow a pretty similar setup. Anytime that I know that I'm not going to be able to pick Camilla, my little girl, up from daycare, I always put a calendar appointment and say, Scott picking up Millie um, with that time frame. So he gets that reminder. And of course, we talk about it in advance after Mm -hmm. my weekly planning session on Sunday. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, that really helps our family move smoothly because it's, it's not a time management piece as much as it is a communication piece. Right, right. So... On the family managing side, you know, how, what are some tools or some techniques or just some things that you do to keep family life running smoothly? I like that she looked at me. <laughs> We're in different phases of family life. So That's I, true. I have a three-year-old mm-hmm. um, and your kids are, they are seven and about to be 10. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like the last three years, every six months, her little sleep schedule changes. Yes. So like in the beginning, she was going to sleep at like six o'clock right. at night because she's a baby. Right. And so if I picked her up at four o'clock, I had two hours with her. So I sort of had to start modifying my days so I could pick her up early. And then I would put her to bed at six o'clock and go back to work for an hour. Yes. Because I needed more time with her, but that was time I needed to get things done. And then as she started going to bed a little bit later... I had to modify again. So I have to, I just had to be flexible. I couldn't stress, stress over it. I just had to do what works for where we are as a family right Right now. now. I I really like that you brought that up. The working during the morning, taking the time with the family Mm -hmm. and then working again in the evening, 
There's actually a book by Jessica Turner called Fringe Hours. And Fringe Hours, I'll make sure to link to this in the show notes, but Fringe Hours, she describes it as those little pockets of time you already have in your day to make time for your passions, your self-care, and to catch up on work. That the the early morning hours and the evening Mm -hmm. hours. And also in uh, Laura Vanderkam's book, 168 Hours, After interviewing tons of women about how they schedule their lives, she found that so many, and it was actually in her book, um, How She Does It as well. Again, I'll link to all of these, but she interviewed at least a thousand women who were making 100 grand a year or more. Like Mm -hmm. that was her criteria. And she found that in order for these women to hit an average of 50 to 55 hours of work each week, they were using the early mornings. They were using the evenings because yes. that family time mm-hmm. was so important yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. So that's that, that's really cool. Just wanted yeah. to pop in. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> right. And like mention that. Fringe that the fringe hours. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I got my mornings back when my kids went to school. Mm-hmm. So when they were still in daycare and even when my oldest went to you know regular school, and the youngest was in daycare, the, I didn't take him until nine. Yeah. So I would spend time with him. She would be at school. And then when they got back into, so my youngest is in first grade. So this is his third year in big school. Big school. That is when (laughs) everything changed for my business. Really? As far as time management went and everything changed for my health too. Like I work, have been working out like religiously since they both got into big school because there was, there is a pocket of time now in my morning because they leave for school at 710. They are out of my hair. Wow. They're gone. So early. It's yeah. so early. And so from seven and I don't start my office hours. I don't schedule morning appointments before nine. So I honestly have a two hour window where I tidy up the kitchen and I put away the dishes and I do my exercise and whatever self care thing. But mostly I'm exercising, cleaning and then like getting dressed. But then at nine, I hit the ground running on my day and it's the afternoons that are trickier. Mm -hmm. We try to pick them up by four because I just feel like that's a long day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think my goal for 2020 is maybe in the next year, we won't have to do aftercare. Like we'll figure out how to do carpool and like Mm -hmm. get them home. But fringe hours, it makes sense to me because there is a time frame where they need you a lot when they're first home. Yeah. And like, just like a baby goes to sleep after a couple of hours of homework and dinner and stuff, they kind of want to do their own thing. Yeah. So I have another hour or two where I can work or they're going to sleep still at 830. I mean, there's a decent hour or two before I'm sleeping. So mm-hmm. sometimes I want to work. Sometimes I'm back at my desk cleaning out you know, my to-do list and it just makes it easier to start the next day. I think the biggest takeaway from hearing what that looks like for both of you you know, I have a 10-month-old, um, and actually, it's we're recording this episode in December, but we'll air in February, so she will- have a one-year-old? I will have a oh, one-year-old. What's her birthday? January 24th. So cute. Okay. <laughs> cute. Love it. And, you know, a lot of times as women or just as humans in general, we look to our left, we look to our right, we see what everyone else is doing, and we start to assume that if we're not doing things the way other people are doing, Mm -hmm. then we're doing it wrong. And it's just such proof that there are different seasons in life. A lot of those seasons can be dictated by um, the ages of your children, and what's going on with your family and not just your family, but your parents on the other right. side. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually mentioned in, or one of you mentioned in a recent episode about, you know, when you're thinking about planning your business for the year, taking stock of, you know, how much help do your parents need mm-hmm. as, as they're yeah. growing older and you just have to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And on the subject of like, comparison and just looking at what other people are doing and measuring yourself against this, you know, unrealistic expectation, because often we don't know the whole story. Right. One thing that is so amazing about the two of you is that you're technically competitors in your industry. Yes. (laughs) We work for two different companies. And I mean, (laughs) we're two realtors just out there you know, I've actually lost a listing to her before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. It yeah. was before all of this. Yeah. So we, were, we yeah. were not quite friends yet. We yeah. didn't know each other that well, no. but I thought I was getting this new listing. And then they were like, oh, we are listing with Katie Klein. I was like, what? 
Oh, like I, who is this person? Right. She still went to lunch. Yeah, with me. it was fine. Is it this, fine. Isn't it so fun how life happens like yep. that? Here we are. So I have so many questions about this. You know, first and foremost, how did the two of you meet? Um, you know, amid all of the three thousand other realtors in the Baton Rouge right. area. I got you, girl. Alyssa is a great educator, sharer of her knowledge. Um, She's just very visible in the realtor community locally and nationally. And I heard her on a podcast. And then I actually, I think I listened to the webinar first. Mm -hmm. She was doing a webinar for CRS, which is a real estate designation. Okay. You know, the realtors always have all the little Like a certification. Exactly. Okay. So she was doing a webinar. It was about I think keeping like your database organized and just general you know, management type of tips. And she mentioned in the webinar that she takes realtors to coffee all the time who want to like sort of, you know, just get advice or pick her brain or whatever. And I'm like, that's oh, awesome. Wow. Not like as a coach, but when people would ask me, I would, I would she go. Would go. She's yeah. just, I wasn't like charging or right. anything like that. She's but just, if people ask me, I would go. Coffee yeah. and mentorship. Yeah, right. sure. She's very free with her mentorship, which is sort of how the podcast was born, but I, I said, I want to go. So I asked her to go to lunch. And, and he- kudos to you for stepping out and actually asking, because right. that can be one of the most nerve wracking things. And so many people don't even get past that step. Yep. Right. And Katie was one of the first people that asked me to go to coffee. That was not a new agent. Oh. She had actually been doing it longer than I had. Majority of people that were reaching out to me were new agents that just saw my face, um, like at the board of realtors and things like that. And wanted to know like how I was doing the volume. And so I would just go meet with them. And then when my little girl was born, I just could not meet everybody for coffee. Everything changes. Everything changed. I had to be a lot more strict with my time and I just couldn't do it all. Yeah. And me and Katie had just become friends from that coffee. And then we were both podcast listeners Mm -hmm. and would like share podcasts with each other or talk about podcasts that we had listened to. And when I met Katie, she was kind of in a season of like, I wonder if I, sh- if I should do other things in the real estate world right? besides just selling real estate. She had been doing it for more than 10 years and was just kind of like, you know, ready. Shake things up, diversify somehow. And that blew my mind because yeah. I was like, why would what? you do that? What? Yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? Like, what else? this is like, how do you, how, why? What? <laughs> but she just got me thinking about like, doing things that you enjoy. And then I was missing my coffee dates because I had been cutting them out because of the baby. Yeah. And then a girl that we both listened to on a podcast did a podcast on how to start a podcast. Yep. Perfect. And we texted about, I just, I texted her one morning and I said, if I don't text you right now, I'm not going to text you. Mm -hmm. But I think that we could do a podcast together. Wow. And that was um, early 2019. Yep. April. Yeah, of 2019. Mm-hmm. And so we started recording like pretty much immediately and we launched in August. Mm-hmm. So we recorded all summer because we're both full time. Right. We're both moms. Yeah. We know that we can't dedicate hours a week to this. No. So we we had, you know, I think 10 or 12 episodes ready to go in August when we launched. We chose wow. Release, yes. We chose release date based on when my kids would go back to school. Yeah. That's seriously how we picked it. She was like, we cannot release in the summer. Like, it's not going to happen. No way. Kudos to you guys for having the forethought to do that level of pre-work before putting it out there. Alyssa is super efficient with her time because of the volume. She does a much greater volume than I do. Mm -hmm. And she has to be very um, mindful of how she schedules herself. So we have to batch work and get those things set up in case she has a crazy, I mean, and I could have a crazy busy right. week too, but mm-hmm. it's just, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. So we got to have that safety it. net. I told her this morning, I said, we need to set a goal that by March we're recorded through summer. Cause I know once April hits me and you are going to be like, bye, see you in a few months. Like, yeah. cause real estate just gets really crazy in the summer. And the thought of putting my phone on airplane mode for a whole day to record a podcast is just like, it's not super feasible, no. but it is feasible to batch batch work in our slower season yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. to get ready. So with the two of you technically being competitors, what advice, because it seems like you guys are doing a pretty good job of 
of ma- of managing right. that. You know, what advice do you have for I, I got you, women in other industries? Get outside of your scarcity mindset. Okay. I'm I doesn't at this point now that we're friends, even I would if someone called me and was like, Oh, I'm also interviewing Alyssa, we would I would think we would just decide who's gonna go. Yeah, you like, we're you, not gonna take it. Right. You take it. We're gonna yeah. or we can take turns like a basketball arrow who's whose turn is yeah. it? Oh the it, possession it, clock. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. it's not gonna happen that first of all, it's never happened since we've been friends. No, it's only happened like a couple of years. And that was before we knew each other. It's just not because there are 3,000 realtors in Baton Rouge. It's not like you really cross paths on the same. There are more than 3,000 houses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There is plenty for everybody. everybody. So one question, if our listeners are unfamiliar with what scarcity mindset means. Can you speak a little bit about what a scarcity mindset means for you? And then what's, what's the flip side? Okay. Yes. You want me to do it? One thing I do want to say. So is Alyssa's going to tackle it. My, yeah, <laughs> my scarcity mindset is with myself. Okay. Katie's is more like, like with what's going on around her. So we're different in that way because like I just had a closing yesterday. So it's December right now as we're recording this. And when I looked at my, when I went to remove it from my pending sheet because it closed, I saw that I only have three pending homes, which is like not really heard of for me, but it's that time of season Gotcha, and it's going to build back up in January or February. But my scarcity mindset, like took my breath away. Wow. Like three, three pendings, which is three future paychecks only. Like sometimes I like to keep that at 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. So having three was just like, I started like sweating, but I was like, why? Yeah. So that's like a self competition, a self measuring stick. And Katie, we we talk about all the time is more like, should I be doing more? Well, this person can do it. Well, that person, and like our offices both rank you, like you said, and share your numbers are posted all over the internet. And like, who wants to be number two? I'm sorry, but that feels like being naked. It does. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. And that's part of why we created the podcast was because the the state of our industry is so much comparison focused by the way it is set up to rank you by your sales or your volume. It's very cutthroat for the same reason. Like maybe, you know, Sally Sue doesn't need to sell more than 10 houses. That's enough income to sell right. in her home and it's fine. Yes. And that is it. That's it. The what word enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is your enough? Right. Everybody's is different. So different. Yeah. Mine enough now has more to do with my kids and my time than it did. Like it will change in the future. It was different before. Um, I'm happy as long as I meet the same income that mm-hmm. I've had in previous years. And part of like where I'm transitioning and changing in my life is ways to add different things that aren't going to take more of my time mm-hmm. and increase and I, that. You have to look around and like, see who am I around? Are the people I'm spending my time with making me feel more anxious and inadequate or right. are they supportive? And like, so our office um, at the end of every year, we sit in a circle on a Monday morning and say our goals out loud. Oh, wow. And, you know, there is a, a girl in our office that who who said last year, she said, well, you know, I've been a stay-at-home mom my whole life and my oldest just started driving. So I, I just have all this time on my hands because I'm not carpooling and I wanted to get into real estate. And if I could sell five houses a year... That would be so exciting for my family. We might be able to do an extra vacation. So like that was her. Wow. You know, and like we clapped. Like that's amazing. And then there's people that like, like are the breadwinner of their family selling real estate. And, you know, they have to sell 80 homes to support their family and their kids and vacation and school and everything. And we clapped for them. Yeah. So it's like, look at who you're spending your time with, because that's when mindset becomes Huge. Yep. Huge. Yep. I've got to say, like getting to that place of knowing what your what your enough is. Mm-hmm. You know, for those of you listening right now, I just I really encourage you to take a moment and think about what enough looks like for you mm-hmm. in your career, in your personal life, with the way that you're spending your time, because you know, once you really drill down into what is most important and is enough defined for you by a number, Mm -hmm. whether that's a financial number or whether that's measured in another way, knowing 
what your enough is really is the jumping off point for mm-hmm. everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I have enjoyed so much <laughs> talking with you today. Right, we're talkers. One, yeah. I mean, it, it's so cool because you know, I discovered your podcast not too long ago, just some on Facebook. And I'm not a realtor, but I just on a whim, I checked it out. I knew you guys were from the Baton Rouge area. I'm over in Mandeville Mm -hmm. and, you know, Baton Rouge was home for me for a long time. So I tuned in and it's really awesome. The things that I've learned that I can apply to my own life, that I can share with my listeners and my clients that, you know, come from the advice that you give in the lives that you live as realtors and moms and just leaders and everything that you do in your life. And it's just proof that, There's so much that we can learn from each other and that one person's success doesn't diminish your success or your opportunities. Yes. And, you know, as we're wrapping up, uh, so it's February. Okay. We're, as this episode is ending, you know, fast forward to the future and we're already a month into the new year. And, um, you know, we've done a lot of planning and goal setting and, you know, 2020 just feels like it's going to be a big year. Uh This is going to be a good year. Good things are going to happen. Agreed. Yes. One thing that I do every year to set myself up, to set my mindset is create or just choose a word of the year. And I was wondering, have you guys ever heard of this, done this? Do you choose a word of the year? Yes. We actually did an episode on goal setting and we did briefly cover the word of the year. I came to it organically somehow. I think I heard a little whisper or a headline or something a few years ago about word of the year. And it just, I would end up on a word. Yeah. And it sort of sit with me over the year or it would come to me during Comes the year. You. And so now I've sort of planned it more and picked one. But I thought 2020 is, a, it's just already like right there in front of our face, the 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 um, comparison. But I picked vision because I think that I have this spot in my business where we've I just added the podcast in 2019. I see some other things, you know, coming into my business this year. So it's it's vision. That's mine this year. Katie, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so my word was simple. Okay. And I'm a very simple person. Right. <laughs> my, my systems are simple. And sometimes as my business has grown and I get more questions about like, how are you doing it? Mm-hmm. I feel like, should I be doing more? But then I have to be like, no, yeah, no. It, in order for me to do the volume, I have to keep it simple. Right. I don't need to overthink, overcomplicate, and do all this fluff. Right. That doesn't matter. And so I felt like in 2019, I started feeling the pressure to not be so simple. But for 2020, I just want to get back to that. Yeah. I just want to get back to like keeping it clean, doing what I know works, loving my people, keeping yeah. it simple. Yeah. I love it. I like that one too. I think that that's mm-hmm. great. Both vision and simple are really great things to consider and to let marinate as we head into the new year um, and, you know, keep up the momentum Yeah, since momentum has definitely been a theme of our conversation. Alyssa and Katie, thank you guys so much for joining me today. This has been so much fun. I can't tell you how much you have energized me and made me excited. So before we peace out, can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Sure. You got it. You want me to do it? You okay. do it. Go for it. You can find the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts, Hustle Humbly. Um, our email is hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Hustle Humbly Podcast. Beautiful. <laughs> awesome. Well done. <laughs> Good job, y'all. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you. This Thanks was really for having fun. us. And there you have it. Fringe hours, healthy boundaries, and community over competition. I am incredibly inspired by how Katie and Alyssa have created such an amazing resource in the Hustle Humbly podcast. And that sometimes you have to be willing to step away from the scarcity mindset and embrace collaboration instead of comparison to make big things happen. You can grab all the details from our conversation, including how to keep up with Katie and Alyssa and tune into Hustle Humbly as well as get your hands on the ultimate time management toolkit over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com 
forward slash 14. And don't forget, you can streamline your business and save 20% on your first month or year of Dubsado by visiting abouttimepodcast.com forward slash Dubsado. And before we head out, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week in episode 15, we're talking money, honey. (laughs) When I sat down to chart out 2020, I knew there were certain areas of my life that I wanted to revisit, refresh, and refocus. And our family finances were on the top of the list. And you know how much I love theme days and theme weeks. So welcome to Finance February. I'll share how I do Finance Fridays each week, how I paid off about 13 grand in credit card debt a few years ago, and what I'm doing this month to check in with all areas of our family's finances. And that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.